When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids' book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity. You're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be. Hey guys, my name is Bing. And among other things, I think that really all there is in life is creativity and relationships. And I'm all about trying to figure out how those things can come together for mutual benefit, how we can collaborate. So we'll probably talk more about that, but you're listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur, and I'm excited to be here. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Bing Oliver. Bing is somebody that I have gotten to know a little bit through literally like zoom coffee dates together right uh in mostly in preparation to do a podcast together which has been really great um and super interesting dude i can't wait to talk to you just about several different things but i kind of want to zero in on just the very first thing that you just said you said all most of life boils down to creativity and relationships what do you mean by that well, I, it's actually, I'll go a little further than that. I, I, this hit me sometime some back that I thought, is there really anything else? You know, I mean, if you look at the essence of the God that I know, um, there, he, he created and he created within the context of relationships and he created people to have relationships with him. And then, you know, Jesus on the earth is going, Hey, you guys need to love each other, you know? And so um, I find creativity incredibly fulfilling and I love to, to do creative things with others. And then we sort of put our hats on and go, okay, how can we sort of monetize this? Cause we do need to pay the bills, you know? And um, I mean, I, I was, my background was uh, I was an award-winning sculptor in college and after college and created large scale sculptures. And I always dreamed of that being the thing. And um, for a variety of reasons, like diapers, you know, uh, that, that was, that didn't happen, but then it was just sort of the journey from there to here has continued to be this tug back and forth between, I got to pay the bills, but I really just, I mean, I, I just gotta say for me, like, I'm just made to create and I'm so happy when I'm creating things and I'm even happier when I'm creating with people. So this isn't a great example of that. I just come alive. I love it. Yeah. When did you realize that you wanted to be a sculptor for a living? And then how did you end up uh, giving that up or have you given it up? Well, okay. So I'll get in reverse order. I've, I've not fully given it up in, in that I just ended up kind of going, okay, I'm sculpting like ideas and relationships, products that, that serve people, environments that bring people together. So I think of it like that. Uh, how did I know I was going to be a sculptor? Um, I went to college 
and my parents uh, were pretty traditional. So I'm really, I, to this day, I still don't know why they funded me going to school and being an mm. art major. I started actually, Timmy, as a um, as an electrical engineering major because I, okay. I did okay. I did okay in physics in my senior year of high school, and my physics teacher said you need to be an engineer because that's where the money is. First big or early big life lesson: like follow the money, but not what you're particularly good at and be very frustrated. So I'm sitting in this class and I'm like, I am lost. So I bolted from there, met this guy who was an artist and also was a Christian. And I'm not yeah. talking like, when I say Christian, I'm not talking like church entity. I'm talking about people that have a relationship with God. And Tom yeah. just blew, blew my mind because he's a really great artist. So I started taking art classes and no background in it, but I found out I was gifted and um and one thing led to another i wasn't particularly painting and drawing did not come quite as easily then i got into printmaking and the physicality of it was you know i could just get in there with you know these big old thing presses and files and acid you know eating away at plates and created some really fun stuff i fell in love with that professor and he also taught clay so he's like hey you need to go do this and then that morphed into learning how to make plates and bowls and then quickly realizing that that was what I wanted to put together to create these large scale, altered, very organic pieces. And then um, that that just clicked and I got really great feedback. I, we had numerous uh, New York art critics come down. I, the professors would bring them in and we do jury shows and I, I won a lot of awards and, and did really well with that. But then I got married very early and my spouse. How old were you? Oh, right out of college, 25 something. Okay. And, um, and my spouse, I got come my from first a... marriage. I was 24. Oh yeah. 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 So I can relate to being really? married early. It's yeah. funny that that's early. I mean, we're talking about like being Christians in the Bible, like people getting married at like 14. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like these days, uh, you, you like, people aren't even thinking about marriage until they're midway in their thirties, unless they're Christians. If they're Christians, they're, they're thinking about marriage in high school. Yes. And, and um, well, and I, I know for me, for some good reasons and some not so good reasons, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got married and my spouse and I, I don't, I don't, and this is, is my former spouse as well. I, I don't say this in any way other than just facts, you know, because yeah. we all, we all carry what we carry in life. Yeah. But she had, I had come from a, a privileged background. Like my parents paid for everything and they could. She came from a very, very difficult financial situation. And she's like, I love you, but I can't, I can't support this going to be an, a full-time uh, sculptor thing. Like I need you to have a job job. And I wanted to marry her bad enough that I did that. I became an art teacher and did that for five years. So, um, so anyway, How did you like, what, 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 uh, what level did you teach art? elementary how did you like that i love the teaching of the art uh unfortunately that was only a very small percentage of my day and mm. um i had i had an art club after school where the students who really wanted to be there would come and i got a lot of life out of that and was able to give a lot through that too uh, unfortunately, by that time, I was exhausted. I had tremendous behavior problems taught. I was in an elementary school with about 40 different classes. And so a thousand students a week would, would churn through my door. I, on the positive side, I had this amazing facility that my, um, my, my school provided for me. So I was able to get the kids into enameling, sculpture, clay, 
just anything you could imagine. Um, yeah. But but it was uh, it, it just got to the place where by the time I left, people said, you know, and this is a whole nother topic, but people said, you know, we really need men in, in education. And I'm like, you're going to have to come up with something, you know, to help us stay, because I agree. I, I love I love teaching. And, and I love why do you think there's so few men in education? Well, it's probably I have two thoughts on that. One is yes, great questions, by the way. Um, I I think one reason is the finances. Like, yeah, like you can you can go and you can pour the same amount of heart and creativity into something else and get a lot more financial reward. And 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 you know, I was feeling sort of like guilted. Like, you know, can't you make the sacrifices? And I'm looking at people going, no, I'm like talking math. Like this is not like the choice between like a really great and, and uh, you know, between the Lamborghini and the, and, the, uh, and the Porsche, you know, this is a choice between diapers and food. And um, so that was a big part of it. The other thing is just uh, what has really come alive a lot to me in my work lately is this thing in sort of this crisis of masculinity is... Okay. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of coaches like myself serving um, women, and and I and, and I think that's wonderful because I think um, there is a definitely a need and a place for that. But that seems to me to be um, a, 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 there's a lot of that support, and and I, maybe I'm just sensitive about this, but I I, I feel like that the sort of the idea of just serving and, and coaching and and helping and teaching men is like, oh, those guys already have all the help they need. And what I actually find is, is the opposite, is most of us guys are feeling isolated, confused about what it means to be a man, um, you know, kind of told we're supposed to handle it all on our own, but recognizing that we can't figure out which way it's up. And um, so, uh, you know, this, this kind of crisis of masculinity, and it's showing up in the, uh, in, in, in the, in, uh, educational fields because women are outpacing men in college in terms of enrollment and performance like massively and again I want to see women succeed my wife is a college PhD college professor and I'm you know super proud of that and not like it's not like I'm threatened by that or anything it's just like I see a need you know mm -hmm. yeah um what do you where do you think that is coming from the crisis of masculinity Well, let me, let me ask you, to, let me, let me give my brain a minute to sort of uh, fill back <laughs> up. Let me ask you, like, what, how would you react to those statements? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, I think that we live in a world that is so, so that has so reacted to the patriarchy that that displays of masculinity in general are just assumed to be part of the patriarchy. Right. And that just natural desires that exist within most men are assumed to be part of the patriarchy. Yep. That's how I would think and, about it. And what, when you say patriarchy, that, I, I mean, I know pop. And I'm not even that, sure that, that is... I subscribe to the notion, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure that I subscribe to the notion because I like to, I try to listen to a lot of different voices on this sort of topic. And I don't have a lot of strong opinions myself other than that. I think that God created us each with unique gifts and talents and purpose. And we can live into those gifts and talents and purpose 
um, like that options available to us. So um, how does that relate into the side of patriarchy? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I, when I say we have a culture that has so reacted to the patriarchy, I mostly mean that we live in a culture that has so reacted to what is thought of when you think of the term patriarchy, which is like male dominated culture, male dominated society, men make more than women, all that kind of stuff. Right. I'm here as the leader to be served. Um, I'm, you know, you have to listen to me. I'm the head, um, uh, undisputed, not yeah. collaborative perhaps. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, uh, Timmy. In fact, you and I talked a little bit about this idea I have for a book and, and it's, it's on this idea of leading a leaderless generation. And I think about, you know, that, um, people younger than me, maybe a little bit, maybe much younger than me, like maybe have never actually known a time where it wasn't the norm for a leader and, and in many cases a male leader to have just massively disappointed people. Like, mm. you know, like huge character mess ups uh, and maybe not even really being repentant about it. And, uh, you know, leadership failures and then all the wreckage that kind of comes with that. So when I was coming up, that was like, it happened sometimes, but it wasn't really the norm. And um, so I, I was with a group of people and we were, I was facilitating a conversation around the idea of authority. And, um, and in the room, we had a, quite a, a range of, of races, ages, and, and, and sexes with, with a lot of everything, right? Yeah. And, and I started to kick the thing off and I said, hey, tell me when you hear the word authority, is that like a good thing or a bad thing? Mm. And everybody raised their hand like, that's a bad thing. Like authority mm. is bad. And, and interestingly, even the guy who was the leader of the organization, because I was facilitating like a coaching group thing for his leadership team, he was, um, he's a guy and he, he's a um, West Point and a, a ranger. So he's in the military, right? Yeah, so he's yeah. like in all this authority structure and yeah. he was still like, yeah, he authority bad, authority bad, right? Wow. And I just thought, wow, like, I get that, you know, yeah. because authorities have been, uh, there's just been a lot of abuse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so I, I think that's, that's a big part of it. I think authority, when I think of authority in a good way, so uh, my best friend, James, he's got uh, his core values in his company are love people well, never stop learning and own the result. And under the own the result um, core value, he's got this saying called be the dentist. It's really interesting within his business. And I've sort of like tried to adopt some of this ideology um, that when I'm talking to a customer, even though it's a productized service, this is my client, I'm trying to serve them. I don't want to serve them in the sense of like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. I want to serve them the way a dentist would serve the person that comes in you know, to get their teeth fixed or whatever. It's like the dentist doesn't say like, so what do you feel like having done to your mouth? You know, like the yeah. dentist says, sit down, I'm going to open up your mouth. I'm going to see what's going on. And I'm going to make my recommendations based on what I see and my experience in the dental field. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so part of what it means to serve is to be the dentist and go, 
I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at your kid's book idea. I'm going to relate it to my experience being in classrooms for six years and um, everything that I know about from the books that we've made so far about how kids react, how parents react to things. And I'm going to make my recommendations based on, you know, wanting this book to really succeed in the market um, and, and really be a dentist. And I, that to me also feels like authority. So that's a very different feeling of authority, but that is another version mm-hmm. of authority in my opinion. Yeah, I think of the word authoritative. And, and I certainly think that we gravitate towards that. Like I have questions and I would really like to not take the long way between point A and point B. So if you can speak from authority into my situation and show me the x-rays and uh, yeah, that I actually recently got a dentist and the previous one was a little bit more like, ah, you could get this filled, you know, now, or you could get it filled later. And I had a great relationship with him and I liked him and I didn't want to leave. And then I went to this new one and they were like very analytical. Like they, they, they had their stuff together. They did all the poking and photos and overboard. And then they said, this is exactly what you have. And this is what we recommend. And I went, I think I wish I'd come here sooner. And they're not as much my friend as, as the old dentist was, but I have friends, you know, Uh uh like I needed somebody to make sure that these last a little longer. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, so here's an interesting thing. Um, This is the next place we went with this conversation is um, there's one place in scripture where somebody did something and Jesus said he was astonished only okay. place okay do you know do you know what it is um was it not when the uh was it not when the centurion uh believed that his son was going to be healed yeah. yeah okay yeah so so you know let's set this up you got the situation jesus there this guy comes like the centurion so he's not Jewish. And Jesus at this point is just talking to Jewish people. It's, it's yeah. years now before uh, the, the Christianity becomes a Gentile religion. And, and so this guy is on the outside and, and he's definitely not a religious leader. He's not a scholar, but he's not even in, in the faith. And yet Jesus looks at him and says, you've got more faith than anybody I've met. And, and, and then he says, well, how did he come to that conclusion? Well, I would say that the guy got authority because he said, Jesus said, hey, I'll come with you and and heal uh, his son. Uh, No, it was his servant, his servant. Oh, that's right. Which is beautiful that this guy had this compassion for his servant, you know, his employee and went out of his way to get some help for this guy. But so Jesus says, you know, hey, I don't have to come. I'll come with you. And the guy says, you don't have to do that. I'm a guy in authority. I have people over me and people under me. I know how this works. You just say the word and it'll be done. And that's when Jesus was like, wow. And so it really got me thinking about that. I think authority in my mind works a lot like the nervous system in our body. It's meant to deliver messages or maybe just maybe like the blood system. Anyways, it's, it's, it's meant for good, right? It's meant to keep things moving the way that they should. And it's not the authority that is bad. It's the misuse of authority. It's yeah. the pinch nerve. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's interesting talking to you and just like being able to use like, you know, references of the Bible, talk openly about Christianity. Sometimes on this podcast, I talk, well, I talk to so many different kinds of people on this show. Um, and I don't get to go into the weeds like this. Do you find that you get to do this a lot in your career? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I was wondering about that today. So, um, I don't, uh, let me preface it by saying I try not to have any sort of embarrassment or shame about my beliefs, but I have come to recognize that just like there's a lot of misunderstanding about authority, there's also a lot of misunderstanding about what I think, who I actually think Jesus was and what his message is and what it means to be a Christian. I prefer Jesus follower because Christian is such a, so anyway, all that to say, I have a friend whenever, that just, just uh, dropped the word Christian. He doesn't, he really? doesn't want to ever use the word Christian because it has so much bad, how baggage. much comes with it. Yeah. 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 So many bad things have been done in the name, you know? Uh, so anyway, so I, I go to make this post and it's about, uh, it's about this. I mean, this is kind of fun. Um, I, I don't have my thing so I can see what I'm showing you. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So I got oh, this I yesterday Yeah. and this was a real existential moment for me. I'm with my wife. We're taking a half day, 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 and we go to this little town that we like, and we have lunch and I've been thinking about getting this Bible and I had to choose between the small, cool Bible that you, you carry around when you're younger, um, that, um, or the, uh, this honking black thing with tabs on it. Yeah. <laughs> and and I chose this because my uh, my granddad had one, and I've I've been really thinking about this season of life. I want to be in sort of this sage place where, um, I I used to think that when I was older I'd be that cool guy who everybody else thought was younger, and these days I just want to like be there. That's how you look. And, and, thank you. <laughs> but at my heart is I I want to I want to turn the spotlight to younger guys and yeah. be there for them and go, hey, man, how can I help you? It's your turn, you know? And anyway, so I was going to do this post about this, and, and, I, and it went on LinkedIn. I put it out there, but I was kind of like, ah, Bible, you know? Like, again, not so much going to turn anybody off, but could, starting with that, because um, I'm not a pastor, right? And I get to speak to people that pastors wouldn't get to speak to. So those are those are questions I'm not sure I have all the answers to, but I, I, mm. I kind of go back and forth. What about you? I am open about it. Um, I'm pretty, so I'm pretty open about uh, my, the, I'll tell you the way that I've been open about it is I'm, I'm just open about my prayer life. So like, mm. I'll say things like, oh, I'm really wrestling with this decision. I feel like I've just been praying about it for like 10 days in a row, um, you know, all week. Um, or like, I'll be like, hey, I was wrestling with this thing. And I feel like God is telling me to blah, blah, blah. And so that's the way that I'm open about it. And then people either ask or don't ask questions after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that because prayer is something that I think most of us share in common, regardless of, I mean, even, even if we don't pray, we might say, I, I don't know. I have somebody, he said he started, uh, that's how he did. He maybe opens a conversation with someone who's to say, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And yeah. most people are like, yeah, I don't really believe in that, but that it couldn't hurt. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Well, I had like a whole transformative experience in my life. I, I, so I grew up a Christian, 
but um but that has mean that has meant different things at different points of my life but when i went through the divorce um so this was in 2019 i had a miserable last few years of marriage um we got married in 20 I want to say 2013 we got married and we were married until 2019 and the last few years of it were miserable um and it was so painful to be in a marriage with somebody that in a lot of ways didn't seem to want to be married to me and didn't seem to really want me um and I, I don't say any of this to bash her, you know, if she were to ever hear this later on. Um, but one of the things that happened is my relationship with God got extremely close because I was hurting for intimacy and, um, and uh, I feel like God was essentially a lot of the ways that I felt she was towards me. I was towards God. I remember one time I was in a, I was in church and this whole podcast episode is going to feel so churchianity-ish. But uh, one time I was in church and I was listening to the pastor talking about worship. And he was just going through the Bible and being like, this is how he's like, I, I just want to read different places in the Bible where the Bible talks about how his people worship him. Because what this is, is this is God saying how he likes to be worshiped. Um, which if you're not a Christian, this is all going to sound really bizarre and that's that's fine. Um, but, uh, but like, it, it, it's like, you know, being on your knees, um, putting your hands in the air, like, like there's literally like in, in different places, like, you know, raise your hands in worship or, you know, be on your knees in worship or fill in the blank, all these different things. And I've never been a very expressive sort of, uh, Christian when it comes to that. And I remember one time I was in church and, this is going to be so bad. I'm going to have to take this out of the podcast. <laughs> you have the edit controls. You are the yeah, I, podcast I sure do. god. I sure You're do. the god of your own podcast universe. Uh, <laughs> um, I was in church and um, I heard I heard God God speak to me and basically say that, because I was like, ah, I'm just not that kind of person. And I heard God speak to me and say, when I tell you how I like to be worshipped and you say, ah, I'm just not that kind of person that I feel how you feel when you tell your wife how you'd like to be loved and she doesn't want to. Mm. I was like, mm. dang. So yeah, I don't know if I got to take that out of the podcast or not. Cause it's a little, it's a little deep, but, uh, <laughs> but I, 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 no joke. I, I heard, I heard God say that to me almost like I would hear you talk to me in this conversation, except it was all inside. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's not the only time that I've ever heard God like that. Like I've, I, I've straight up heard God speak very, very clear to me. And it was all, it's all new that um, like for the most part, like there's the few moments in my life when I can say genuinely, I heard God speak to me when I was a teenager. One time um, I was, I was in church and the pastor was talking about what does it look like to fully and completely give your life, you know, in service to God. And um, I was I was praying and I heard God ask me, um, if, if, if you were to give me your life and you, you didn't know what I was going to do with it, um, uh, 
what did he, I'm trying to remember the actual words. It was something to the effect of like, what, what would you, would you, would you give your life to me knowing that in such a way where I could do whatever I want with it, knowing that you, you don't know what I'm going to do with it. And it was a very tough question. It was just kind of an open-ended question from God. And I heard it clearly like, I, like it was a conversation. Um, like, like, are you going to, are, are you willing to completely like it? Yeah. Like, am I willing, like no, knowing that if, if I say yes, God gets to do whatever he wants with my life. Um, would I be, would, do I have the courage basically to just say, mm. uh, okay, you know, and uh, mm. so that was one moment when I, when I do feel like I heard God speak very clearly, but aside from, aside from a couple isolated moments growing up, it wasn't until recently where I, I've started to really experience what it's like to regularly and often hear God actually speaking like it's a conversation. And I know a lot of Christians don't experience this. So I'm either crazy or God is actually talking to me. <laughs> and I don't know how we got on this topic. <laughs> yeah, boy, we, we have covered a lot of really cool stuff. And I love that we can. I mean, but I think the reality is we got to talk about what matters to us, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it does come. And, it does come back around to me where we started with this thing: creativity and relationships. Exactly. You know? I was. I was I, just. A, I, yeah. I'm so well, sorry. I, I just. I think that that like um, one of the things that I hear a lot of times. I have a lot of. Con- I have had for decades a lot of conversations for whatever reason. Reason with people younger than me who want to sit down and talk about life and their career and where things are going, and a lot of times people will say, you know, to me like. I mean, if you're a Christian, it's phrased as, you know, what's God's purpose for my life? Or if you're not, it's what is my purpose in life? But everybody's kind of asking the same question, right? Yes. And um, I just keep kind of coming back around to that the purpose is in the journey. Like all we have is this moment right here with you and I connecting. And, and we can we can get really, really focused. I, I've been this way lately. I, I, I'm catching my own self on this. I'm like... Well, when this happens, or if this happens, or I can't wait until, or I'm hoping that, or whatever. And but in this moment, we're create, we're connecting in a relationship, and we're creating. And that's that's really to me that is. I mean, what else is there? You know. Yeah. What's funny to me about uh, creating in relationship is about a year ago, I was struggling with my company had just started. And I was still working at Sweetfish and I was wrestling with leaving Sweetfish completely and going full on with my company. And the fact that I was having this irregular uh, re- like money coming in and that hasn't really changed. Like the revenue has been uh, the revenue has been always there. Like I've always been able to pay payroll, but it has it's it's always been uh I only know that I'm going to be able to make payroll like next month or maybe two months, you know? Um, and I, I remember uh, I was praying and I was asking God, like, Hey, I was like, God, uh, I, I went for a walk just to talk to God about one thing. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk. I, I want to talk to you God about uh, how do I have stability in my business? And I'm going for this walk and kind of just like throwing all my insecurities and fears and everything at God. And the thing that I heard God say to me, what as the answer and oftentimes this is how i know god is talking because it's just this out of the blue thing that was not what i was expecting to hear the thing that i heard god say was 
you'll have stability in your um, business. He, he said, just do the, these two things. Every morning, make significant progress uh, creatively on, on, a, on a kid's book. Like just hit a major milestone on a kid's book every morning. And before you end the day, uh, reconnect or deepen a meaningful relationship. So like, that's it. This is just two things I have to do every day. <laughs> You're muted, Bing. Uh, that's so funny. Um, uh, imagine that. Like, that's the two things that we just started off with. Exactly. Exactly. Create in, create in the morning, connect in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. And nice. I can't tell you how often I struggle just to do those two little things. I struggle so hard in the morning to make a real milestone on a, on a, on a kid's book. And I struggle really hard with relationships. Like I am not built uh, to be a natural relationship builder. I'm pretty mm. good with communication. I'm pretty good with having a conversation with somebody and walking away with that person liking me. Uh, mm. But I'm, I'm very bad at just steadily building relationships that last a long time and I check in with them and all of that kind of stuff. How are well, you with that? You're very opposed in that, I believe. I think that there are um, uh, whatever forces you want to call it. I think there's a myriad that are um, um, per, uh, working against us to have relationships. Um, mm. I was I just came from a men's group and we're wrapping up a, a season of being together. And that means that unless somebody steps up and comes up with something, that's over. Okay. And, um, and, and one of the guys afterwards said, you seem kind of anxious. And I said, I am. And he said, it, it seems like you're really worried you're going to lose this. And I said, yeah, I am, you know, like, um, I've had seasons where I've had, re and I, I, I actually, fortunately, I have some very, very, very good relationships, a few friends that I've known for decades that I could lean on at any time. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm new to this community. And we just started going to this new church and, um, and I, I, I've started getting involved in things in the community, et cetera. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work. And I, and the work that I'm doing right now, which is funny because we haven't really talked about that is yeah. I'm, I'm, I want I'm, to, <laughs> I'm, I'm working to create this um, for people. I think primarily for men of this community that yeah so what are thing, you actually creating if you just go ahead and unpack it what are you working on yeah so what i'm working on right now uh timmy is um uh, the the latest way i've said this is um a, a, a meal in the midst of a battle <laughs> okay um my uh the, the, somebody did this illustration last week with like that it was like people sitting at a, a table having a meal and um they were talking about like that life feels like a battle and they asked the people that they brought up onto the stage like um are you dealing with anything and everybody said yes 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 and yet they were eating and um so a very that's kind of ethereal the specifics are that i'm uh doing our first in-person uh, it's called the get your life back summit and the work that i do is to help um, people a lot like myself who are a little bit younger to, um, to wrestle through and, and find answers to the question, can I have both a scaling, growing, successful business 
and a growing, healthy, successful life. So can I, can I, can I, can I go to multiple locations? Can I get the book on the bestseller list? Can you get the video to go viral? You know, can we get steadiness? Cause I get that, you know, like being an entrepreneur, like I think a lot of us, is, we got into it because we like the risk, but then at the same time, we're like, yeah, we, I need some steadiness to this risk. Right. Something, and, somewhere. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then over on this side though, it's like, are you, are you showing up for the soccer game? Are you, are you rescheduling date night when you're at dinner? Are you really there? Or are you doing the scroll, you know, or, or even if you're not, where's your head, you know? And um, I've had a few different iterations myself of feeling like almost existentially, like, can this be done? And then having breakthroughs. And so now what I do is I support and help and bring together uh, business, business people, mostly men, a lot of them Chick-fil-A operators, um, and go, okay, how, how can we work together using principles that I've learned and the connection of this group to help make sure we're having both happen? And I can tell you, I've, I've had it nearly wreck me and on a couple of occasions and had breakthroughs and get to the place where it's like, yes, we can have, it can be done. We can have both. And um, so anyway, we're doing January six mountains of Tennessee, getting a handful of people together. And this came out of in my tribe saying to people, Hey, you know, what do you need right now? And they said, we love the, the things that you teach and, and the transformation that you offer. We are just overwhelmed with, uh, you know, logistics issues, people issues, et cetera. Is there any way you could condense this? And, and we said, yeah, how about we go away for a weekend? And I'm, and, and it's this beautiful place. And I literally have a picture of like a table with food on it. And I'm excited about sitting around the table with people and going, okay, this is like a, a, a table set before me in the presence of my enemies, you know, and I get to take some downtime and think about maybe things I haven't thought about in a while. Um, my day-to-day work is, is one-on-one with those folks. And then like yourself and looking to have uh, some scale and some stability in my business to go to groups. And, and so that's that's where we're we're moving with things is to bring people together in groups so that we can make the teaching more efficient and also provide uh, support. I've really come to believe that you can have. Uh, I, I'll, I'll stop ranting here in just a second, but I'll, I'll close with this. I uh, this part with this. I've really come to believe that I think there's three ingredients to that happen: you need knowledge, wisdom, and tribe. And so first off, you need mm. to know what, what to do. Okay. I just need yeah. good information and man, you can Google that. You can take a course. Like there is no lack of good information out there. The next thing you need though is wisdom. And that's the tough one. You need somebody who's a little further down the road who can go, okay, you got all the pieces, all the knowledge, but you need to do this one, then this one, then this one, not go down here and back up here. And I've wrestled a lot through that with my business this time around, like just getting it in the right order. So I think that's a coach or a mentor. But then the tribe piece, I think, is the one that we really miss. And um, I think that we, um, uh, independence, which is very ingrained in our culture, is how most of us get to a level of success. And it is very applauded. However, it's finite. I mean, no matter how good you are, charismatic, gifted, whatever, there's some limit to what you can accomplish. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think so, so independence is finite. Interdependence is infinite. There's literally no limit to what we can do. If we're willing to step in and go, Hey, kind of struggling here. What are you dealing with? Okay. 
and make those connections. So yeah, yeah. So that's that's the work. Uh, I I I am peak coaching, um, but I almost hate to use the word coaching because it's so misunderstood. We're we're just what we're doing is we're we're helping uh, business leaders to kind of get their life back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said that you've had it almost wreck you. What do you what what did that look like? On a couple of different occasions. Um, first off, uh, well, I do a, uh, I will put a little plug in. I do a monthly coffee, which is kind of my version of a podcast like this. And ours is okay. this Friday, Friday. And uh, I'm going to be being interviewed by our, our mutual friend, Rocky. And I'm going to tell yes. the story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell the story of how I went from worst to first as a Chick fil A business consultant. So yes. I show up at Chick fil A corporate as a business consultant with an art degree and like my, kooky crazy you know intuitive different self and there's like 40 something nbas and um and so i worked my tail off and took the worst jobs and like i did i i couldn't see any reason i wouldn't be massively successful and um my very first evaluation i find out that i'm tied for the worst business consultant on the whole floor me and one other guy were the worst okay and i was how did you how did it get determined that you were the worst well, they asked the Chick-fil-A operators that I okay, was serving okay. how I was okay. doing. So they hated me. Wow. wow. <laughs> and, That's something. And I, I was crushed because I thought I couldn't possibly try any harder. And um, But what was wrong with this scenario was, and, and I think we all do this, I was trying to be somebody else, not me. Uh-huh. And, and, and for good reason. Because here I am, I'm in this arena that's new to me, you know, the business leadership coaching world. I'm a business consultant, which is really corporate, and I want to be good. And so I look at people like Tim and Scott and I go, they're doing good. So I'll just be them. I'll do what they do, act like they act, say what they say, you know, learn the things they learn. And of course, I sucked at being them because I'm only, I'm pretty good at being me, you know. And so I had two mentors who kind of took me under their arm and said, no, 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 we don't want another, we don't need another Scott. We hired you because you're different. And so uh, by the time I left, I was one of the top ranked business consultants. And the guy that took over my stores said, hey, if you want to know the secret to, you know, having really great results, just inherent being stores, you know. He, I, I, I came, and, and I just say that because I, I really started to bring it. One time I brought a whole box of mountain climbing stuff and poured it on a table with a bunch of business consultants in suits and said, we're going to name our next push. And we came up with the name Mountain Madness, which then evolved into some other stuff and eventually became, I don't think I have a logo in front of me, but our logo for Peak, which is all about mountain climbing, is got this roots back in that. But um, I, and, and there are things that if you ask certain people in leadership, particularly corporate now, I've been gone for over 10 years. And there are things that are like woven into that culture and practices that came out of that season of massive creativity for me that changed the face of the organization. And I don't say that like to put a spotlight on me. It's just like the cool thing is when I learned to be myself. So then I go and I get, I left there, go to get my own Chick-fil-A franchise because I wanted to get off the road with my kids travel, my kids uh, becoming teenagers. And I had more advantages than anybody to me. Like I should have been able, and I knew, man, I moved to the mountains of North Carolina to just like, I'm going to rock life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, can you show something? Yeah. Yeah. 
What's that? I drew this picture. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see it. I see it. I drew this Finish. picture. Yeah. Life. Broom. Traction. I, I yeah, what is in, that? I drew this a, a year before I went to, to Boone to be a Chick-fil-A franchisee. And this is me in the driver's seat. It's backwards. So I'm having trouble getting my finger to it right here. Okay. No, right, okay. right here, right here. Yeah, yeah, I see And this. this is all the stuff in my life that I want to have this really cool life in the mountains of North Carolina. And this is the engine is my Chick-fil-A franchise. Okay. And what actually, but the funny thing is what ended up happening is like Fred Flintstone, the, the engine hopped out of from under the hood, jumped in the driver's seat, threw me under the bus. I'm like Fred Flintstone doing like this, trying to, and I, it was ruining me. And I went and got a coach and they taught me two things. One, how to prioritize me and second, how to build a team that would then support me. And, um, and I learned it in that environment. And now here I am again going, okay, time to learn it again. Yeah. <laughs> so. Man. Um, what do you feel like is the biggest thing that you need to figure out in order to get stability in your business? I think it's, I, I think if I had to boil it down to one thing and, and, um, I'm going to give kind of a, a nod of the hat to, um, uh, Donald Miller, um, is, um, there's a lot of things, but I think the one number that I need to fix myself on next year and, and get my team rallied around is leads just, uh, and, but I would say before that is um, I have this sense. If you're ever driving down the road and you reach over to your, your old school radio and you try to bring it into a station, yeah. like there's like, if you're on 98.7, it's like, sure, sure. And you can sort of hear a song and you know, you're close. And then 98.8, it's like, bam, you're right on the station. I have had this sense that I'm like right here when it comes to um, the, uh, what do they call it? The audience, the avatar. Like, I think I'm like this close. Okay. And something is just not quite right. I'm not trying to figure it out. What do you but have I, right now for it? Me, me 15 years ago. Got it. You 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. So it's male, um, 35, 45 years old, purpose-driven, um, uh, running a business that makes enough money to pay a coach. Um, and, um, and, and this very entrepreneurial, because uh, a lot of people with franchises are not as much, it's very high on entrepreneurial scale. And, um, and just this, you know, dogged determination, like I'm going to have both the life and the business. Like, I'm not willing to get up one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think I need to start doing some uh, customer avatar work too, because earlier when I started the business on the beginning, like uh, uh, right before, let's see, it was okay. It was, it was COVID had happened and nobody was really sure what life was going to look like on the other side of COVID. Um, But a lot of the people that I have turned into customers were the types of people that pre COVID they were out, you know, constantly on stages, giving talks, selling product and getting customers off of those, that stuff or getting clients off of that stuff. And so I've had some of those people um, become customers of Dinosaur House because like, hey, if you're going to be traveling and giving talks and having a product to sell and then, you know, trying to convert into getting clients, you should make a kid's book that's about the industry or niche that you give a talk on or that you serve. It made a lot of sense. But what I've since found out is uh, these folks are broke. They are struggling to keep their businesses afloat. 
yeah. And they and as fun as doing a kids book would be, it's not something that they can seem to be able to afford. Um, and so I need to start doing some some customer avatar work or figure out a different product to sell. Do you find um I want to see if you resonate with this? Yeah. That there's this place of kind of wobbliness where you can be in a business where most businesses are, where it is like what we've talked about, where you, you, you kind of like, you think you got it and you think you've nailed it. And then, you know, well, that's not quite it. And, and that's here. And then you have this place over here where you've got somebody, I don't know who in your world you look up to, but Donald Miller, I just brought up his name. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, like he, he has, he has enough volume and enough lead, you know, group of the right people to where if he puts a product out, it's going to sell. It's not a matter of whether or not it's how much, yeah. but there's like the thing that, that I have really, really struggled with is like this gap, like who it's, it's almost like people sort of do this, you know, instead of this, you know, it's like, it's almost like work, 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 work jump. And then once a person jumps to the other side, it's really, hard. they're not very accessible. Like I probably couldn't get, Don Miller on the phone and go, Hey man, you know, and I could take his course, which is helpful, but not, you know, then I got to deconstruct. So yeah. yeah. Uh, does that, does that resonate with you in any way? Yeah. Are you saying like, you want to be able to reach these folks that are um, not quite as far along as Donald Miller, uh, but like they're not struggling so hard that they have no money to spend. Yeah. Where do you find those folks? Where do you find the people who are a little bit further down the road, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've looked for is um, people that are not celebrities, but are successful mm -hmm. business owners um, uh, and, and very forward thinking. Like those, mm. those people convert into customers, people that mm. are on their second business. Their first one was successful. They had a successful exit and they're building their second business they're not super well-known. They're not easy to reach in the sense that like, they're not just going to talk to anybody, but they'll come on a show like Purpose Driven Entrepreneur and talk about their purpose. Yeah. Um, uh, those, those, those folks tend to become customers. And what's really cool is I've gotten to a point now where um, PR companies send me those folks uh, nice. to come on Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Um, and so I get to have those conversations without even doing a lot of work to make those conversations happen. I just don't nice. have control over when it happens. It kind of comes mm -hmm. to me. Um, I do have some control over it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oftentimes I'll have a conversation with that type of person and they just hear about what my company does. And they're like, I'm a customer. How much is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. It just so i mean here we are saying like i need to do customer avatar work but like that is the type of customer that i should be devoting all of my energy to talking to um for sure it, it sounds like it's very very clear then and that it um yeah i mean i'm just turning this over inside in my own head I'm not sure right now if it's if it's the avatar or the message, but either way, it sounds like for both of us, like things are good. Like, yeah, and I'm really happy. Um, but I do have this sense that there, it's like one degree off on the on the uh, on the on the dial. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, 
I um I love talking strategy and we've already talked for an hour so this will all have to we'll probably have to just like get get jump on a call together and strategize together because I would love to do that um but being it's so easy to spend an hour talking to you and this has been yeah, really you too, great you too it, it just yeah. feels so natural and I, I've really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me on and uh thanks for giving us a chance to re-record where are you most active on social and where would you want people to connect with you so on LinkedIn and um that's really where I post almost every day and um you know, yeah. from there you can go and find other stuff, but that's, that's home base. What's this coffee thing that you were talking about earlier? Pinnacle coffee with Bing. Uh, this started a little over a year ago with this idea that, Hey, we're in the middle of, um, we're in the middle of COVID and we would like to gather in a coffee shop, but we're not doing that. And so the very first one was just me and my wife and somebody else. And we sat there and talked about all kinds of weird stuff. And it just kind of over time evolved into a community and we take turns with people in the spotlight sharing their story. And um, it's kind of a growing community. We get together once a month. We do coffee and I don't have the resources right now to podcast it. Maybe you can mm. connect me, connect me with the right people who could help me yeah, we do need that. To that. I got, I got like probably 15 episodes that are nice. really, really great content just sitting here on my hard drive. And uh, because what it is, it's like a it's like a podcast that you interact with. So I have a panel of people, a guest. We have a topic, for example, um, uh, culture. Like how to use words. How do you use words? Well, that was our last one. Maple Street Biscuit. Chris is uh, and and how their company uses words to craft culture and how they do it over and over and over again and how and the amazing results that they're getting. So we have a topic like that. We all talk about it together. And my dream is I think that we would have that would be a, a an internal community sort of like the uh, deeper dive kind of thing. But then that the the episode would then be uh, podcast and more people could enjoy the, the content. So but that's what it is. Awesome. And this is this coming Friday. Uh, so I don't know if this is later before then but Man, I'd love to see you on there if you're willing to join us. Yeah. How do, how, do, how do I join? What do I do? I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you the link. Okay, sweet. Bing, you yeah. rock. This has been a super fun conversation. I have uh, my next guest on the show is like popped into our meeting, so I should get that figured out. Um, Don't mess it up. But you and I need to, you and I need to uh, talk later. Like I, I have so many thoughts in my head that I want to share with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I love it. I appreciate you, brother. Okay, see ya. 